0: I think that one of the great things about this industry is that there are many different roles that you can grow into. Most people will start off as a salon stylist, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a salon stylist for your entire career, as it can be very rewarding, both creatively and financially. But being a salon stylist can, if you wanted to, also open up other doors for you to step through. Whether that's to become an educator or a session stylist or to work in film and theater or to work in the product side of the industry, there's a lot of opportunity for those with the desire, the ambition, and the courage to pursue it. My guest on today's podcast is Tom Connell, Hair Art Director for Davinos. In today's podcast, we're going to discuss the importance of being relevant and connecting with hairdressers no matter where they are on their journey creativity and where inspiration comes from, and sustainability, and lots more. So, without further ado, welcome to the show, Tom Connell. Thanks, Anthony. Cheers. Nice intro. (laughs) Well, it's it's great to have you here, mate. Um, So, listen, I want to start off the way I start off with everybody, and that's by getting you to give us a a two-minute backstory of who is Tom Connell. (laughs) Give us your, um, you know, sort of two or three-minute history as to how you've got to where you are today, and then we can dig into it a bit more afterwards.
1: Yeah, um, well, I began, from as young as I can remember, I was running around the salon. I was in, Uh, my parents had a salon in in Wigan in the north of England. And so from a toddler, two, three years old, I was running around there while they was working in the salon, Uh, left school, started working at my dad's salon on a Saturday while I was still at school to get a bit of extra pocket money. Um, But then my dad took me to watch a Trevor Sorby show. And I didn't know that that side of the industry existed. I'd never seen a hair show. I'd seen the clients in my dad's salon. So I was, it really caught my attention. Uh, yeah. And I thought, okay, I I, well, I want to do that and I want to do it working for him. Yeah. So uh, I left my dad's salon after about a year and a half, went to work for Andrew Collinge, yeah. um, who's a great hairdresser, won British hairdresser for the year a couple of times and had a chain of salons in the North and um, finished my apprenticeship with him and then set my sights on moving to London to, to, to eventually join Trevor, uh, in his Covent Garden Salon. Yeah. And then from there, what was that? Six years after that, I was fortunate enough to become his international artistic director and did that for four years, five years. And then I joined Daveness as the hair art director in November last year. And then, my diary was full, ready to uh, travel to all the different parts of the world and meet all the Daveness community, and everything has come screeching to a halt, as I'm sure it has for everyone listening to this.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is the, the world we're living in at this point in time. Yeah. Um, okay, I, what I want to dig into is the, you know, I mean, you're not the first one to, to grow up with parents that were hairdressers. Mine weren't, but I'm really curious about how that formed you, and mm. who you are and how you think about hair and how you, you, know, how you think about you know, clients and salons and how salons work and training people and all that sort of stuff. So you know, mm. t- t- talk to us about that influence that your, your mum and dad's salon has, has had on you becoming the person that you are today and how
1: you think about things today. So certainly I, th- I think a huge benefit of it has been – you know, now you may fortunate enough in my current position that I get to go and on stage and do do big shows and do shoots. Um, but I think because because I've seen the other side of the industry and I've seen what it takes to make a successful salon of all sizes, from from a from a big beast of Trevor Sorby all the way down to a small salon with two or three chairs. I've seen that, that the challenges and the the sacrifices people have to to make to make that. A great business. So, yeah, a, th- a benefit of, of growing up in a silent is that I'm very aware that when I go on stage, the people in the audience are my employers for that night. It isn't Daviness for the night, or it wasn't Trevor Sorby for the night. It was the people yeah. that have, there might be an assistant in the front row that was me 15 years ago, 20 years ago, that saved up X amount of months from his salary and to buy that ticket because he wants to get inspired or educated or it might be a salon owner like my dad who who would 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 save up to take his you know a couple of best performing staff to Salon international and and watch a show uh, each year so I, I've seen that that this that it's a sacrifice sometimes to, to go and be educated and take your staff to be educated so that's something that's always in the back of my mind somewhere that yeah they're my employer for the night and and you you owe them something. Um, and they don't care whether you're good, the next show you do or the show after, because tonight's their night. Yeah. So you you need to make sure that 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 you deliver that. You know, you've almost it's almost like a handshake. You know, you've, you've made a deal with that person. If you put that show out as a poster, and that person's gone, I'm going to buy a ticket, and that's that's like a contract between the two of you. Yeah, they're going to buy the ticket, and you're going to give them what it says on the poster. So, yeah. I th- and I think growing up in a in a salon environment where I've seen the, the, the sacrifices that, that, that salon owners have to make, that it just, yeah, it just keeps me honest, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's interesting. It's like, I mean, you started off saying how your dad took you to a Trevor Sorby show um, mm. and, you, you know, you didn't know anything about that side of the industry. How old were you then? Like just a 15, 16 or something? 15, yeah. About right. 15. Okay. And, and that you sat in that show and it had a profound effect on you, on the whole mm. direction that your life was going to take yeah, i mean you basically you, you just took a left turn at that point didn't you like it, it just yeah. was like bang this is gonna determine my life this is who i want to be w- w- was it was it something that they were saying on stage or was it what they were doing I, i'm always intrigued by mm. how people think i mean as an industry we mm. we're, we're very visual and we're very much into what people do and we look at what they mm. do. But one of the things I always love about podcasts is that you've got to get into people's heads and find out how they mm. think. And I, I, I always think that there's some real you know, gold in there. So uh, mm. that's sort of what I'm asking you. You're this 15 year old kid sat in the, in the audience of this show that, you know, I don't even know if you wanted to go to it or if you were sort of dragged along to it. I was, I was, dragged. <laughs> yeah. you um. know, and so, so what was it? Was it, was it what they were saying and and their attitude and how they thought, or was it what they were doing, or or was it both?
1: Um, I, I, I remember getting off the train. It was in Liverpool, and we walked through the central Liverpool, and we arrived at the Cram Plaza Hotel, which is on the Docklands in Liverpool. And there was a huge tour bus, the type of thing that uh, like a, 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 a you know a, a rock band would would tour in, and it had Trevor's face along the side of it. Yeah. And I was like to my dad, is this the guy that we're watching? And he said, yeah. And I was like, that's a hairdresser. And he said, yeah. yeah. And I was like, a hairdresser's got his face on the side of like a tour bus. And I was, like, I was like, yeah. I was like, I think I might be able to get on board with this. Because <laughs> uh, to like when you're 16, that's like a cool thing to see, isn't it? Yeah. And then I went inside and that sparked my attention. And then I sat down and then he brought these models on and, and he, he created, he did this thing where he cut some wefts uh, into steps and then he spun it. And it kind of all frayed out. And I'd never seen that avant-garde work before. And I was just, you know, like where it just goes like that, the the show. And I wanted more. And I I was almost disappointed at the end when the models did the final walk because I wanted to see more. So then I started to ask my dad about, like, who's this guy? And I've always had a bit of a fascination of, like, who's the best. And I know the best is all relative because different people have different opinions. But, like, I've always known who was the fastest man in the world you know, like in the 100 meters. Yeah. I've always known, like, you know, dif- different things about, uh, you know, who's, who's the heavyweight champion of the world all the way through the, the years. I, I've just had, like, a, an interest in that type of thing. Yeah. So then when my dad was saying to me, in his opinion, this guy's the best, I was like, wow, so this guy's the, the, the best in, in her dressing. And that, that was his opinion. So then he gave me um, um, Vidal Sassoon's autobiography. Yeah, you know the original one. The sorry, I kept you waiting, madam. Okay, yeah, yeah And, and then it. I just, I remember, I just stayed up all night reading it, and I was like, and even though Trevor wasn't in that book because it was it was before Trevor's time, I was just like, it opened my like mind to like, oh shit, this is like something much more than what I thought it was because at that when you're growing up and you're a teenager, it's just how your mum and dad make a living, isn't it? You know, you just see the yeah. salon, and you, yeah. I liked going in the salon and chatting to people, but then that, at that point, I was like well, oh, there's something, uh, something more to this.
0: Okay. So, you know, you, you become that sort of salon hairdresser, um, which I think is a great grounding for everybody, and I think it, 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 it really mm. forms you to spend, you know, I don't know, five, ten years, whatever it is, <laughs> doing that. Before, before you diversify, if you want to diversify, as I said at the beginning, you know, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with being a salon hairdresser for your entire life. It can be very rewarding. I know lots of people that do that, and they're so happy mm-hmm. doing that, both creatively and financially. But for other people, it does open doors to go in other directions. And you know, before we started re- recording, we were talking about Guido and the you know, and the mm-hmm. direction that he's gone into as a you know, as a session hairdresser. Um, you've taken a slightly different path with the sort of um, very much an educator in the industry, mm-hmm. uh, a showman, a platform artist, an on stage you know hairdresser mm-hmm. what, what, why did you evolve in that direction? Why did you want to evolve in that direction? T- tell us about you know that that journey, why you went from salon hairdresser to wanting to be a stand on the stage and educate and inspire hairdressers with stuff that 's not necessarily I'm not going to say not fashion relevant, because it is fashion relevant, but it's very much about inspiring hairdressers. Why did you decide to go that route?
1: Um, I'm, I'm always a big believer in just doing whatever you're most interested in. So like, I think you shouldn't, you shouldn't really... You know that the word um, discipline is thrown around a lot. Like, You should really be disciplined, but I think discipline is doing something that you don't really want to do, but doing it anyway. And yeah. and it, the, I decided quite early on in my career that if I was going to do something that was going to take my time away from my friends and family, it had to be something that I was really really interested in. So I guess to answer your question, I just followed what my interests were, and and I don't know whether it was seeing Trevor on stage and because he was a platform artist that was always in my mind, or I don't know what it was, but my interest was always in like okay i know the classics and i know the techniques and and i've if someone showed me a mid layer or a firefly or a graduated bob i always had like i'll go okay i know how to do that but what if i did this with it and what if i changed it and what if i i always was interested in like pushing the boundaries and 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 kind of trying to to break new ground um and that and when you do that for enough time it leads you in the direction that you just said it inevitably leads you into someone saying to you in the salon that you work for, Oh, you should come and do a seminar. That's interesting what you're doing. So I was just doing it in my own time and for myself, because I enjoyed it and doing a few test shoots because I just wanted to, for the same reason, I suppose a musician makes an album or whatever. You just something that you enjoy doing a lot and that people say to you, you should do this seminar. You should come on the shoot or come to this show because you're doing work that they find interesting, and then it just naturally progresses from there. And then from that, I thought, okay, this is. I did not in the beginning. I didn't think that was. I thought I'd just continue doing my clients, and then do this as a, like kind of a side hobby. Yeah. But then, when you've been doing it for a longer period of time, I, I looked and I thought, okay, I could maybe make my whole career this bit. And then it then it yeah. just develops from there, as opposed to being pulled
0: down the editorial side of things. That wasn't appealing.
1: <laughs> being that um, session hairdresser? It wa it was. I've got to think of the way to say this. Um it it's it was appealing, definitely. But if I could like walk into being like Eugene and Guido right at the beginning, because I was interested in creating the ideas that I had in my head. I yeah. was interested in going assisting doing 40 ponytails for five years. Yeah. And I think that there's, there's a, there's a place for that. And for some people that works and, and that's great. But for me, I didn't, I don't care about like the fashion industry or the, the, the celebrity of it or the kind of going to parties and things like that. I just care about breaking new ground with my work. Yeah. So the, 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 the session industry didn't interest me so much because. I was just over here doing my own thing, which sure. inevitably gets you a little bit more noticed as well. So if there's yeah. any like young hairdressers watching this, that want to get into that side of things, if, if if you kind of do like the rest, you'll be like the rest. And there was a big influx where I was coming through of everyone wanting to do session work. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was like looking at that as in like, one, I'm going to just like blend in with the crowd if I do that. And two, Again, as I said before, if I, if something's going to take my time and my attention away from my family and my friends, it's got to be something I'm really, really interested in. It's not to 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 go and pass up in.
0: Yeah, well, it, it's also it's interesting. I mean, we we've mentioned Guido. Um, let's assume that if people haven't listened to the podcast I did with Guido, that they know who we're talking about. And if they haven't listened to yeah. it, then they then they should because he is in terms of session work. He's to me is like, you know, the, the, the guy at the top of the pile. But oh, yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Um, one of the things that he said in the, in, in the podcast I did with him was he said that you've really got to be true to yourself and do what, you know, you know, where you belong, where you're going. There's no point in mm-hmm. trying to do work that doesn't really connect with you. Mm-hmm. And, he even said, like, you know, I couldn't get on stage. I, he couldn't do what you do. Yeah. He couldn't get on stage in front of an audience and demonstrate a haircut or whatever that it would terrify him. And and that's just interesting to me that, like, you know, and, and it's comforting that everybody mm. out there has got their, their skills. Everybody out mm. there is a unique individual and there's opportunities that you can be drawn more towards and that sometimes you – you find people get too fixated. As you said, everyone wanted to jump on the bandwagon and become a session stylist. Well, for some Mm. people, it's just not a fit. It sure as hell wasn't a fit for me. I mean, I yeah, I, exactly. I dabbled and it was like this is not for me. I don't, I didn't mm. like it. I weren't particularly good at it, you know. Um, so you would have to be disciplined to do it, which is not. Oh, a good thing. yeah, and and I, I just wasn't. It wasn't a fit personality-wise, you know. Mm. Um, as as much as the skill set of it, it was not mm. my skill set, but it was also it was not my personality to fit into. Yeah, that. Whereas exactly. other people, Guido's a great case in point. Yeah, yeah, he's a fabulous fit into into that world. Um. So just just coming back to you for a minute then. So there's very little that you see these days that is unique, that's original. You know, you, you'll, you'll see stuff that will be a, a take on what's been done before. And people will say the yeah. 60s and the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. And, and that's great. And I'll have a twist on it. And I love that. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but hmm. when I scroll through your Instagram, I go, oh, my God like you see stuff that you haven't seen before it is, you know, you, you genuinely do things that are just out there. It's like, Oh my God, I haven't seen anything like that before. It's a take on, Mm -hmm. on, on doing hair and, um, Mm -hmm. And what works and balance mm-hmm. and the juxtaposition of putting things together. Uh, so if anyone listening to this hasn't seen Tom's Instagram, then I'm going to give you the Instagram handle at the end. Make sure you do so you know exactly what I'm talking about. But what, that's what I want to ask you about. What is your creative process? Because I find it fascinating when I hear you talk about it. And when I look at your work, it's like, wow, that's, that's inspiring for
1: anyone in our industry. Mm uh thank you for saying that um my the the process would be (laughs) that i think the ideas have to like come from 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 inside you outwards rather than being too too influenced and the way that that happens is you've got to like the way i do it is you you keep processing your environment all the time so i'll always have a a file uh, a notepad with me And if I see anything like, uh, uh, not necessarily like a texture, but if I just see the shape in like a bad haircut walking down the street or a color that's grown out or a funny line in a film or an interesting song lyric or anything at all, it'll either get photographed or written down. And I just keep building like this, 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 this almost like vault of ideas. And then about once a month, I'll sit down (laughs) and go through it and spend. Three or four or five days going through the file, and put it all up on a wall uh, to try and figure out um, figure out why they all caught my attention, or they all they all caught my attention enough for me to make a note of them. And inevitably, your you, your brain is is stimulated by similar things just just from where you are in your environment so normally or hopefully there's a there's a red thread going through everything that's caught my attention so there might well, that's a funny interesting song lyric maybe that could work for uh, a, and a show or that that the way that that girl's hair cut sat was a bit unusual and it, it, there's there's inevitably this red thread going through it all so then you build this wall up on like a big uh, a big cork board. And basically, it's it's a bit it looks a bit like a like a, you know, like an FBI film, you know, where they're trying to catch the serial yeah, yeah. killer, and there's all yeah, these yeah. things. It kind of goes like, that. and then I'll just sit back and look at it, and something I'll think, okay, this this is a theme developing here. So then I'll go into that a bit deeper and start exploring that, and exploring it, and exploring it. And by the end of it, I've normally got a collection that I want to put together and shoot. And and if I haven't, I'll just keep working at it and working at it. I don't I don't really give myself any time limits, like I don't say, okay, it's this time of the year, I need to produce a collection. If yeah. it's two years or three years or six months, it doesn't matter. I'll so
0: so h- how much of it is connected to fashion, uh, you know, like when, when I zero used to do- it. Right. Okay. So zero of it. So uh, you see a lot of people would be, you know, if that was my wall, you know, when I was doing here, it would have been covered in tear sheets that I'd pulled out of Italian Vogue or something. Mm. that was inspiration, but you're just this sort of mad professor guy with this this really, you know, creative, fertile imagination and it can literally be
1: anything. So it's not connected to... to, You just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing until it feels right and you just know when it feels right. And I suppose that's just the instinct bit that you've developed over the years. You know, you're going, that's not working, that's not working, that's not working, that works. And not much has changed. There might have yeah. only been a, you might have added a little bit of product to something and it just relaxed or something and you go, that feels right where it didn't feel right before. And I suppose that's the, the, the kind of bit that you can't control. You just hope it arrives. Yeah. Um, but as far as like connecting it to fashion or anything like that, I'm not, i am not, I don't have any interest in that, but I think anyone even that works in fashion, I, 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 I take a lot of influence. It, it, I take a lot of influence, not from what they do, but their approach. Mm. like someone like Ralph simmons the way that yeah. he approaches his craft yeah he doesn't take influence from fashion yeah he creates the fashion yeah and that's what you should be in my mind doing with hairdressing and if you do it well enough you create almost a bit of a movement that people want to take inspiration from and maybe start combining cutting and dressing together if i ever see that i don't take i think that's great and i i i, I love it and i hope that they maybe have seen something i've done and it sparked something and they've they've run with it so I, 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 from on the fashion side, I, I take great influence from people's approaches rather than from their work. But if I create a collection, um, it just has to feel right to me. Yeah. I think if, if it feels right to you and it feels really authentic to you, you'll find an audience that it feels right and authentic to as well. Yeah. It might not be as, it might not be as big an audience if you, if, if you tried to, um, to, to do something that was maybe fashionable or, or on trend, but it'll it'll mean more to that audience. If you know what I mean. So, say you reach a thousand people by doing something that's not fashionable, mm. or you meet you reach fifty people with doing what you want to do. Those fifty people will care more than those thousand people do. Does that make sense?
0: Well, yeah, because sort you, of does. Yeah, and I'm and I'm trying to connect that in my head with what we started off talking about with, which was the the reality of the people that are in your audience and they've come yes. from a small salon and some of them have saved up to be there and blah, blah, blah. And looking mm-hmm. at your art, you know, I, I'm not one of those hairdressers that refers to hairdressers as artists uh, as a mm-hmm. rule, uh, because I think most of them aren't artists. I think that 99% of hairdressers, myself included, uh, were, were or are a craftsman. Um, yeah. but then occasionally you see someone whose hair You'd have to go. It's it's art, you know, um, and yours is art. I mean, you know, some of the stuff you do is is it's. It, it, you're right. It doesn't look connected to fashion. It just is art in its own uh, in its own way. It stands alone as as something.
1: Thank you. Um, do you know the you know the guy? Um, there's a guy called Rick Rubin. Have you heard of him? He created Def Jam Records, and he's, he's, a, he's yeah. a great music producer. He produced yeah. everyone from Jay Z through to Bob Dylan, and um, and he has a thing where he says he tries to make with his music, uh, that the thing that the thing that he creates is singular, and you can either like it or you can not like it, but you can't compare it to anything. Yeah, and that that's something that I always have in the back of my mind. Okay, uh, how much is music something that influences you? Um, certainly like the process of how like a young Bruce Springsteen would produce an album or or um, you know someone like Alex Turner from the Arctic Monkeys the detail he puts into his lyrics and things like that so the the one of the looks that I did from um, a collection variations on a theme was called Watch Speed Cheek and that was out of an Arctic Monkeys lyric he called yeah. he's, he's, he wrote the lyric Walk Speed Cheek and when I heard that that went into the file. And I thought that's interesting because people use the word chic a lot. And maybe if I did something that felt quite futuristic but was still quite chic, I could okay. use this warp speed chic and it so then I wrote that down, and then that's that ended up being the name of that look. So okay. yeah. it can influence it in 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 that way. And then in another way would be um there's a great um live of, live performance in Ham, at the Hammersmith Odeon of um, Springsteen in like 1974 or 5 he was yeah. like in his 20s mm. and he's like and this really influenced my approach to like building a stage show he 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 was on stage and he's jumping all over stage and he's sweating and the people are pulling him into the audience and he looks totally uh, in the moment right mm-hmm. and the, there's an interview after that and the interviewer says, you look totally, what's great about you on stage is you're totally in the moment, you're so unrehearsed, you're so um, free, it's really inspiring. And he, and he says, you think that was unrehearsed? He said, go back and watch the footage and there's a song called the East Street Shuffle and he said, there's a point where there's some of the girls in the audience are trying to pull him into stage and he said, "And I, I drop my shoulder and the drumming starts and if you go back and watch it, you can see he's in, the, he's in the moment, but he just drops his shoulder and the drumming starts. And he said, that's because we're so tight and we're so rehearsed and we're so polished. It mm. allows me to be free in the moment. And that, that, that changed my thought of like preparing to go on a big show because I thought you can see some – you hear a lot in, in hairdressing, people might say, you know, I don't like to be scripted. I, I like to just be quite free on stage. But mm. being quite free and unscripted generally looks to people being unprepared. They don't. Mm. They don't look. They look quite stiff, and they go into a bit presentator mode. But if you really, really drilled through, you have this almost central spine of what you want to deliver. Mm. Then you can be quite free. Then and things can pop into your mind, and maybe someone shouts something from the audience, and you can be more in the moment because you've got this this almost like spine of, of the show that you can always come back to. Yeah. And, and, and see it. See it, see it in Springsteen do that just. In the midst of being pulled into the crowd, to still drop his shoulder, so his drummer started playing. Yeah, was 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 something I found incredible at the time.
0: Mm. Yeah, so you're really influenced by how people think, aren't you? Yeah,
1: they're their bro- approach you, you rather call than their approach, did. but it's, yeah, it's yeah, how they think. Yeah it's, yeah, it's how they're thinking. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. What what is it about uh, the Trevor Sorby um, organisation that, uh, or the, or the Trevor Sorby culture
1: that produces? people like yourself? Uh, I think I think it's two two things. First of all, Trevor is very, very um, he's very secure in who he, he is. So because he's Trevor saw me, isn't he? So he, he puts people on a pedestal. He doesn't like, you know, he doesn't try and share the limelight or anything. If he sees something in you, he puts you, he'll take you on stage and say nice things about you. He'll put you in front of the journalist. He'll 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 he doesn't try and take any of the shine. He's very comfortable and and puts you forward. And he's Mm. done that with myself and all all of the other art art directors before me. Um, And at this, but then another, so that gets you attention. But then the other reason I think is the fact that Trevor worked at Sassoon's obviously was was one of the art directors there, Mm. I think South Moulter Street. And then he, he worked at John Frieda where he learned a lot about dressing and, and, and you know the, the softness of hair. He worked at Tony and Guy where he learned a lot of texture and slicing. He did editorial work, so he learned how to make something look good in an image and, and photographically. So the, 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 the Sorby way of doing things is this great alloy of all of those things. Yeah, yeah. So I think if anyone goes through that system, the the, the well versed in all aspects of, of of hairdressing. and then when you combine that with him putting people on a pedestal, it, it's it's a good combination.
0: Mm. Okay, if you, if you are a salon owner and you're listening to this, you know your dad's salon twenty years mm. ago, whatever. Um, how what advice would you give them about nurturing talent? You know, like you like like you arrive at Trevor Sorby as a young whatever mm. age you were. Uh, Um, and that was your, you know, your goal to get there. And you walk in the door and you get there. And I assume you start Mm -hmm. at the bottom of the ladder again and work your way up. People, people see that you've got talent and, Mm. and they nurture and direct you. And, and, you know, in some ways, very consciously, in other ways, subconsciously. So, so, so what sort of advice would you give? I suppose actually to both people, if you're the salon owner how do you nurture talent or the salon art director? How do you nurture talent in other people? Or if you're that 20 year old version of you, how do mm. you nurture you? How do you get you to be your best?
1: Uh, I would say, <laughs> would you say this, let's start with the salon owner. I think that the, the best thing that you can do or the most valuable thing you can do with, 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 uh, a young hairdresser, and this may be someone that wants to go on and do stage work, or they might be someone that wants to build a great clientele. Is help them develop what type of hairdresser they want to become, yeah. and that's something that, that that Trevor does very well. He doesn't make people into molds of himself. You know, you know, if you look at my work or or, or Angelos or Eugene's or Antoinette's, it's all very very different, um, but it all comes from the same place, and I think that's an asset to to, to any salon or any. Um, person if if they can find a salon owner or an art director that will help them discover and become the type of hairdresser they want to become rather than going this is the way we do it at this salon Uh, I find that that means that people won't feel stifled and they probably won't want to leave you because you're empowering them to to be the best version of them Uh, and in reverse I'd say if you're like a young herders that wants to get noticed by your salon owner or whatever, then you've got to be a bit, uh, obviously you've got to work hard and you've got to push yourself beyond. Um, you've got to be willing to do what, what your peers are not willing to do to, yeah. to stand out because there's only so many positions. Right. Um, but also then like to be a bit inventive to do that. So some, some, and if Trevor listens to this, he doesn't know this story. He doesn't know that I ever did this. Yeah. But I was working on, I, you know, he's got a lot of, he's, I was a young stylist that he's selling. He's got a lot of staff. So he knew me and he'd say, hi, Tom, how's it going? You're settling in? Okay. Yeah, great. Um, but I really wanted to like get in to be able to assist the artistic team and, and to, to push my, my, you know, my foot into that door. Mm. So I was thinking, how can I get noticed? And I was, I used to always in between my clients, you know, when you're building a clientele, you have a lot of spare time. So, anytime I didn't have a client, I'd go into there's a little room downstairs and I'd just be working away on a mannequin or working on an idea. And then one day I thought, like, Trevor's never sees me do this. And I wanted him to know that I was passionate and I was always spending my time working. So I thought, well, he, there's a corridor in the salon in his office doors is at the end of it. And there's mm. a little tiny room. So I thought, well, why am I working in this back corridor? I'll just go and work in that room and leave the door open because I know he has to walk past it. Yeah, yeah. So then I started working <laughs> in that room and he kept on to walk past and he'd be like, Oh, what are you doing in here? And I was like, Oh, I'm just working on whatever. And he'd be like, Oh, okay. And then he does it and does it and does it again and again. And then he, one day he said, pull me into the office and he was like, you're really working hard. You're all, you never sit in the staff room. You're always developing ideas. And I've I'd been doing it for six months. He just hadn't been seeing it. But within that, that change of just putting myself next to his office doing it, yeah. So you've you've got to be like be a bit cheeky and take your chances as well.
0: Sure. Yeah. Of course you do. Do Do you ever want to be uh, that guy? Do you ever want to be the salon owner? Is what I'm asking you. Do you, Have you ever yeah. thought of that?
1: Do you, do you want to own yeah. a salon one day? Yeah. I think I think I think I would do. I, 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 there was there was a book um, called the, oh, "The Art of Success" or something like that. It was basically about how you organise your. um your time and your life, or something like that. The, the secret to organized success, or something like that. Yeah. Um, about and and I read it and it there was it almost gives you like tasks during the book, and one of the tasks was to write down without thinking too much what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail. Yeah. And and without thinking about it, I wrote down I would open a salon, like a, a really interesting different approach to a salon, and I ne- that had never been on my radar. But I wo- I wrote that down, and that was about a year ago. Uh, so, maybe one day i will i 've obviously just joined anes and i 'm really excited about the future, so it 's not on the cards for many many years to come. but I think in the future, I think I would be disappointed if I finished my career in however many years mm. and i'd never i 'd never had that experience sure
0: yeah do do you talk to uh, i know you said your mum and dad have retired now, but uh do you talk to them about hairdressing
1: yeah yeah, yeah. a lot yeah my mum my, my mom comes to watch everything I do and, and she, my yeah. talk. Yeah, yeah. My, me and my dad talk hairdressing nonstop.
0: Yeah, well, I'd love to hear some of those conversations. <laughs> so
1: yeah, so he he he's he's very uh, opinionated about hairdressing, mm. and he, he's he's got as people tend to do as they get a bit older, he's got a little bit more uh, cantankerous and a bit more like opinionated. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I'll show him something sometimes, and he'll say uh, that's really good, or I'll show him something, and he'll be like. I don't really get that. I don't see where you're coming from with that. He's very honest. Um, but he always has been. I remember there, there was one time, um, this probably this story probably sums my dad up mm. to completely, right? So when I was doing my NVQ, um, you know, when you have to go through passion modules, I was on Sitter of a comb. I was doing like men's men's module. And I um I my 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 stepbrother came to the um training school as, as, a, as a model. And the, the teacher in the training school was a former student of my dad's like 20, 30 years previous. So I was, I, I was doing the, the, the scissor over comb haircut. I did it and the tutor passed me off. He said, right, okay, yeah, that's great. He checked it. He said, yeah, I like that scissor over comb. Signed it in my file and I'm like, great. I, I've passed my scissor over comb module in my MVQ file. Just so for I our American on. and Australian oh, yeah, yeah. And audience, what is an NVQ? It's a national vocational qualification. It, it's part of your, your beauty school or whatever you have in, that yeah. in respective countries. Yeah. And that module of men's hairdressing, I was happy. I passed it off. I went out at lunch and thought I was great and brilliant. So I arrived back in the, in the academy in the afternoon and we're doing a theory lesson and I look up and I see my stepbrother standing in the corner of the academy talking to my tutor. So my tutor shouts me over and he says, I said, what, what, what are you doing back here? And he says, I went back to the salon, where my dad's salon, and my dad saw the scissor over comb and called my tutor and said, if you're passing that off as scissor over comb, I'm going to pull him <laughs> out of the academy. That's the worst scissor over comb I've ever seen. And sent, the, yeah. sent, my, sent my brother back and said, yeah, yeah it may him go over it again. It's so in Good. front of the entire class. I had to Good. pull that in my theory lesson and go back over the scissor over comb. Yeah, But at, at 16, you're like, Dad, that's so embarrassing. But now I can see where it was coming from.
0: Yeah. And, and you, I know you said this earlier on. You said uh, that requires discipline. And if something requires discipline, I don't want to do it or something. I forget exactly how you said it, but you said something yeah. like that. Mm. That's a bit at odds with that statement, isn't it? Because the work that you do and the detail and the perfection in it, mm is requiring a hell of a lot of discipline isn't it yeah you know i'm sure there's a lot of stuff that ends up on the cutting room floor because you decide Mm. it's not quite good enough so Mm. so does he does he still influence you in conversations that you might have uh
1: yeah he does he does definitely less so than less so than than course, what, what yeah. he would have done then uh, yeah. but i'll more like show him some stuff now but i'll always you always want to impress your parents i don't yeah, know how don't. old you get and yeah. especially because he's in the same industry but as far as the, the the discipline thing it's more like it takes a lot of time and effort to to produce like a i don't know they say they the, the the back sweep idea where it was melted in from long to, to very very short graduation that took a long time yeah. but I didn't have to be disciplined to do it because I was like nothing else existed in my mind while I was creating that like yeah. I, I wasn't having to like force myself to do it I was doing it there was there was no way I wasn't going to do it it's not mm. like I had to go right I better get back to the mannequin and work on this okay. it was like I don't want to go out for a beer with my friends I don't want to see anyone I just until this idea is done okay. so and that that's the kind of twist with the, with the discipline thing if you're having to like sigh and think oh I better get back working on this then you probably shouldn't do it yeah yeah because you might yeah. do it for that once or twice but it's not sustainable going forward that way yeah yeah. So it's like self-discipline as opposed to someone else
0: telling you to do something. It's self-motivation, yeah. self-discipline, as opposed mm-hmm. to uh, someone
1: else saying that, yeah, that's not good enough. You've got to do it again. Like the budgeting, it, I'm, I'm not good at budgeting my shoots. I hate it. So I'm not going yeah, to have to be disciplined with that because yeah. I really don't like doing it. And it's what I'll put off and put off till yeah. the last ha-
0: minute. Okay. Okay. that That doesn't sound like the sort of thing that hairdressers would usually say. Um, that's, that's me being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah. Okay. Um, so, well, listen, we need to uh, start thinking about wrapping up. But before we start wrapping up with Tom, I have a little favor to ask of you, our listeners, and that is that you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. So, by doing that, it helps other people find us, but more importantly, it motivates us to keep producing great content for you. So, uh, if you go to Apple Podcasts, scroll to the bottom of the page, select ratings and reviews. And and write us a review, we would be very appreciative. So, Tom, before we wrap up, where, where can people connect with you on Instagram or your other uh, social channels? Um, so, yeah, my
1: Instagram is Tom McConnell, and then any work that I'm going to be doing for Davaness will be on the, the Davines.com website or the professional.com website. Okay. Uh, I'll make sure I put – is it just Instagram? Are you Facebook as well or just Instagram? Uh, I am on Facebook, but I don't necessarily I never right. really do anything on, on it. So I would say mm-hmm. Instagram. So Instagram think. okay.
0: Well, I'll make sure I put yeah. the
1: link for
0: your Insta in the uh, show notes yeah. on the Grow My Selling Business um, uh, website as well. Uh, so Tom, any final words for our audience?
1: Um, well, thanks for listening. For one, uh, <laughs> I hope you found something something interesting. And then I suppose the the only like. like to leave something, leave like salon hairdressers around the, the the world with something is the the a good bit of advice that, that I would say is if you when everyone's going to be going back into the salons in the next few weeks, everyone's going to have to you know be be adapting and, and and maybe some clients will come back, some clients won't. Maybe there'll be queues around around the block, but especially to any hairdressers that are, are, are newish to the salon. Um, if, if you make, if, if you, everyone has like similar hands. So because, especially if you've all done the training in the same salon, people have been through the same training program and there might be some people are better at technical cutting and some people are better at, at softer slicing or whatever, mm. but everyone has similar hands from a client's perspective. Yeah. So if you make, make your client not pay for your hands, but make them pay for your mind and. Make sure that you're putting your own like, personality and a little detail and a little twist on, on what, you're, what you're giving your clientele because what I've found, when I started to have that approach, then no one can replicate it. The person in the next chair can't replicate it. The person in the salon down the road or in the next town because mm. your mind's unique to you. And yeah. I think if, the, if, there's, if there's a twist in a in, in mindset of, okay, they're not paying for my hands, they're paying for my mind because mm. the mind's telling the hands what to do. Yeah, yeah. then you, 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 your day becomes not a series of techniques where you go, oh, I've got a long layer in next or I've got a graduate probably. Your day becomes like a eight design problems that you need to solve. Yeah. And you and, and and a designer, whether you're designing an iPad or a car or a herka or a building, mm. every every designer has a brief, they have a material to work with, they have a, a, a time limit, they have a budget, just the same as we have in our consultations, right? In the salon every day. Mm-hmm. So the second you start thinking of it as just a eight design problems that need solving, your day, I've found, becomes just so much more enjoyable and so much freer and, and more creative. And that can be on a 18-year-old lady or on an 18-year-old student that wants you to, to, to mm. do something different. It, it's, that's a, a good lesson that, that I've kind of developed over the years that I've felt uh, has made my salon work much more enjoyable. Yeah, that's a that's a great bit of advice, and I think it sort
0: of uh, closes the circle. For, uh, you know, uh, with all the stuff we've been talking about, the common theme I think has been about what goes on between your ears, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and how you think about what you do. That 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 is where the real difference is. That um, you can teach people to do what they need to do with their hands, but you can't necessarily teach people how to think. Um, mm-hmm. but the more people start to you know, ponder on that and reflect on that, uh, the better they, you know, uh, like you just said, the mind tells the hands what to do, uh, the better the end result will be. So to wrap up, uh, Tom Connell, thank you very much for being on the Grow My Salon Business podcast. It's been a, a real pleasure to have this time to uh, to chat with you and ask you these questions which um, intrigue me. So um, I have thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. And uh, yeah, I look forward to, to seeing how you progress in your uh, role as Hair Art Director at Damanus. Cheers. Thanks a lot, Anthony. Cheers, Tom, Thanks.